Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Second Timothy, the second chapter, the 23rd verse. The Bible says, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid. Foolish and unlearned questions avoid. Now, this is Paul speaking to his spiritual son, Timothy. This is not the voice of a man in the process of acquiring wisdom and experience by reason of use. This is a man that has walked the journey, and he is a cup that is full. He's running over. He's pouring himself into somebody with words and beyond words. He is instructing, but as well imparting, because he's about to leave something to his spiritual son. And it's important on how he leaves that boy to continue with the work that the Lord has blessed on the church. This is not Paul in his young age. This is the Apostle Paul, the man whom God gave the grace to lay the foundation of the gospel. He is called the master builder. And this is a man not speaking in the processes of learning and unlearning as revelation drops on his heart. This is a man who has done it all and he is speaking from a position of master. And he's telling his son Timothy when it comes to foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender the strife. He's warning the Christian that as you continue growing up, there are certain wars you start to avoid. There are certain arguments you stay out of. There are certain foolish things that you don't indulge yourself into because they can only gender the strife. If you read that from the Amplified Version, the 23rd verse, he says that refuse, shut your mind against have nothing to do. Did you hear that? Refuse. Shut your mind against. Have nothing to do with trifling, ill-informed, unedifying, stupid controversies over ignorant questions. For you know that they foster strife and breed quarrels. Like I said, as you continue to grow in God, you learn to shut your ears from every voice. You learn that not everybody can teach you. Hallelujah. You learn that not everybody can teach you. You learn that not everybody can instruct you. And he says in the 24th verse, if we'll go back to the KJV, and the servant of the Lord, you know, he has told you, avoid all these things because they gender the strife. And he says, and the servant of the Lord must not strife. God has not called us to wars. Well, therefore, strife is wars. The servant of God must not strife. We shouldn't strive on radio. We shouldn't strive on television. We shouldn't strive on Facebook, we shouldn't strive on YouTube, we shouldn't strive anywhere. God has not called us to strive, not with men. Somebody shout hallelujah. He says, but that servant of God must be gentle unto all, apt to teach, patient. Apt to teach, patient. Every servant of God should be able to teach. <laughs> Whether prophet or teacher or evangelist, they should be able to teach. Somebody shout hallelujah. And patient, very importantly. In meekness, he says, instructing those that oppose themselves 
if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that those people which oppose themselves, the Bible says, may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his own will. Somebody shout hallelujah. They're taken captive by the devil at his own will. They're taken captive. They're taken into captivity. So Paul is bringing conversation here that I want to build on very, very deep things I'm going to share tonight. He's telling us that there are people in this world who can be held captive anytime. And what is to be held captive? To be held captive, the literal translation of being held captive is to be thrown into exile. Or if you understand the way of the spirit, for the devil to snatch you from your place in faith or in the faith. That's captivity. Because all of us have places in the spirit. The Bible says that he has appointed our times and our boundaries of habitation in Acts 17. Every man has a boundary of habitation. So those bounds of habitation are not necessarily your physical dwellings, but they are also your spiritual dwellings. We're not at the same place. That is why when Jesus Christ calls on Peter to come, as he says, if you be Lord, bid me that I come, Jesus tells Peter, come. And then he walks on water. And the Bible says, and as he sees the waters revving and the wind boisterous, in fear, the Bible says he began to sink. And Jesus, reaching out his hand to Peter, straight away asked him, from whence did you doubt? From where did you doubt? He said, why did you doubt? The rendering there is in Matthew 14, 31, from whence didst thou doubt? From wherefore didst thou doubt? Where did you doubt from? Because it was a place. He was at a place of faith and he left a certain place in the spirit. Somebody shout hallelujah. That is why in the spirit realm, we have a language of places. We call them ranks. Are you hearing me? We're not equal. We're not in the same footing spiritually. And you can grow and advance in ranks so you can stay in our places of ranks. Those are your eons. Those are your appointed worlds. Your places in time according to your level of faith. He says by faith we understand that the worlds, the eons, plural, were framed by the word of the Lord so that the things which are seen were not brought about by things which do appear. So there's a world where things are not in appearance, but from there, those worlds are framed and shaped and whatever is in those worlds or not in those worlds is shaped by how much acquaintance we carry with the word of God. Are you following what I'm saying? So when he says the eons, the periods of time, the worlds, spiritual, you know, if somebody does something silly, sometimes you'd say, oh, this person acts like they're in their own world. They're not on the earth. What does that mean? It means they have a certain eon. They have a certain system of life under which they work that is not usually applicable and agreeable with your definition of normal. Now, believers, Christianity has given us the opportunity by faith to have our own places in the spirit. And those places are accorded to us according to how much faith is in our spirits. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Are you following me? So when we talk about captivity, the word there to be exiled, it's to be taken away from your rightful place 
as at how far you have been built by faith and then the devil by either ignorance or deception takes you from your place and throws you to places you're not supposed to be in the spirit realm. Because perhaps what you have is not enough. Somebody shout hallelujah. Or you are misinformed about how to stand in certain places. Although certain things invited you, they did not give you the full authority of establishment. Somebody shout hallelujah. One of the most compelling qualifications of divine service is authority. Authority in Christ. In the Old Testament, before the Christ is dead and raised from the dead, the disciples then that are following him have not been regenerated. They're not a new creation. And so what they have is provisional authority, power. They don't have the indwelling, dunamis. They have exousia. They have extended authority. He has commanded them to operate by reason of his word and ability. So those are simply extensions of the man with power. He says, behold, I give unto you power to trample or tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And he says, nothing shall by any means hurt you. That was told to men which were not yet born again. That is not the portion of the new creation. The new creation is above that. With that above that, somebody shout hallelujah. Because when he tells them, tarry in Jerusalem, until the spirit is come, he's promising that you shall be endowed with power and you shall be my witnesses. You shall be given dunamis, the very power that is working in me for which I, by reason of the liberties that I carry in the spirit, I can extend the same authority to specific people or specific things to still achieve that which I choose to do in the name of the Father. Now, I hope you understand what I'm saying. So that's why I'm saying that one of the most compelling qualifications is understanding and walking in the authority that we have in Christ Jesus. That is what establishes you firmly to minister to men, divine service, to minister to men beyond just the words that you speak. There are two kinds of believers in the front line of the ministry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Some have the understanding of that authority that is given them. And out of that, they become witnesses and ministers of the truth. However, we also have a group of people who have not yet come to the revelation of the authority that the church has in Christ Jesus. And they are simply communicators of known or revealed truth. And so they speak like they know, but they don't have the results of people who should know. They minister like they know, but they don't have the results of people who should know. Have you been around people who are great preachers or great ministers? And you look at this individual, the way they teach, the way they preach, and you look at their ministry, you are amazed. Desiring to be teachers of the law, the Bible says, not understanding what they teach, neither from whence they affirm. The place of affirmation in their spirit is dead. And therefore, every time they stand before men as a confirmation of what they truly believe in affirmation, there is no results. They are clouds without rain. They are leaking cisterns. They are no offense to our fruits of charity because they don't truly represent the Lord that we preach and testify about in scripture, somebody shout, hallelujah. God has called you to be an authority. That when you become a communicator, you are a communicator, like I've said, of things known 
or revealed in truth from the authority that is given you in Christ Jesus, that your word is with power. The Bible says his word was with power. That's what the Bible says. His word was with power. Your word should be with power. Why are you rebuking 20 demons 20 times every day and there is no power to you? That is why when Paul is warning Timothy about what will come, he's telling us here that there are people who are held in captivity. They have left their place from where they really belong spiritually. And captivity precedes bondage. Because bondage is the enslavement of one in captivity. They're not the same. Somebody shout hallelujah. You cannot say that you're in bondage when you're not in captivity. Captivity precedes bondage. You leave your place first and then the devil enslaves you. Now the Bible has said in Timothy that there are people who are ensnared by the devil and taken captive by him at his will. In other words, there are people in the world, believers right now, if the devil says he's going to kill them at 10 a.m. tomorrow, they will die. They're speaking in tongues. They have Bibles. Perhaps some are ministers. But if the devil walk up and then they say, you know, I'm coming for you at 10 a.m., they will die. He can take them anytime at his will. There are believers right now, the devil decides and says, I'm going to make you poor tomorrow morning. They're going to lose everything that they carry in the world. There are believers, the devil right now can speak into their marital destiny and tomorrow morning they're separated from their spouses. They live in this world. That means they live by the mercies in courts of the devil. Again, because of ignorance. Because of ignorance. So that is why if you have continued to go into the third chapter and Paul continues to emphasize this was a big thing, it was a big thing. He continues to speak of what then shall befall the last days and the perilous times that shall befall the earth as men become lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despised of those that are good, traitors. Verse 5, he says, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. They have a form of godliness. When you look at them, they look like they're believers. They're born again. They're sanctified. They understand the way of truth. But when you start to study their lives, their lives deny the power of God. They're not believers that live in the power of God. They don't believe in the truth. They don't leave the truth that should give the power that is necessary for the life of Christianity. And he speaks of such who creep into the houses of silly women and lead them astray as they are laden with sins, with diverse lusts, they confuse them. And these women also whom they meet, he says, are ever learning, but they're never coming to the knowledge of the truth. So they mean that they don't attend services. They mean that they don't attend overnights. They mean that they don't attend women's conferences or men's conferences. They mean that they don't attend marriage conferences. They attend all of that. They tune in on every service. But what they're receiving is wrong. What they're receiving has no life in it. And so you see people who have invested their life and energies for years. They are believing God. They are serving God. They are reading the word. They are doing everything that the book requires to do. But they don't have the results of the faith. Of the faith. And the mistake now they do is because again in here we find that there are teachers in there. There are pastors in there. There are prophets in there. There are apostles in there. 
They run ministries of people who look like they're learning, but they're never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Does that ring a bell? Does that ring a bell? And so they start building doctrines in the church that are non-existential. They are not the doctrine of Christ. And I need to emphasize that there's a difference between the doctrines of men and the doctrine of Christ. If you will go back again in the second Timothy, when he says that uh, in meekness, you're instructing those that oppose themselves. The Greek word there for that oppose themselves is actually one word. You see, those words are three, that oppose themselves, instructing those that oppose themselves. When you study Greek, that is one word. It is anti-dietithomai. Praise God. And anti-dietithomai means uh, people who are in opposition to sound doctrine. Anti-dietithomai. These are people who are in opposition to sound doctrine doctrine whether they know later or discover later that they were and they were ignorant about it in fact majority of them actually are ignorant about it but we believe that there are also some who are deliberate about it because the bible has also spoken about such people creeping in the church unawares somebody shout hallelujah so he speaks about people who oppose themselves, but really he's saying people who are set in opposition of sound doctrine. And what is this sound doctrine? He's talking about the doctrine of Christ. No man can claim that they know Jesus Christ when they do not know his doctrine. He says, you shall know of me if you know my doctrine. You shall know of me if you know my doctrine. You see, later on, we see Jesus saying, you know, they come to him and they say, you see, we healed. We cast out devils in your name. Jesus, remember us. And he says, no, go away from me, for I knew you not. The only way that Christ would not know a man is if that man actually never knew him. And the only way to know Christ is to behold sound doctrine. The doctrine of Christ, again, I repeat, is different from the doctrine of men. And so our people in that deception, because they do not know why or how it is that they are preaching or ministering or, uh, you know, alluding to the truths that they claim God has said and they don't have the results and answers. They don't have the power that should come with that kind of life. Many of them out of that insecurity and the overinflated ego of the control and intimidation that they have built around men, they start building doctrines around that life to justify themselves against or in line with the truth that they saw assume that they carry. And because of that, we then have teachings, false teachings in the body of Christ, and people don't have results. When I read in my Bible, for example, I don't see Jesus or his disciples teaching us, giving us crammed phrases and prayers to speak every morning so demons would stay out of our houses. I've looked for it in the whole New Testament. I don't see it. I don't see places where Paul says, now, every morning, if you want to command your money, these are the words you're supposed to be speaking. Or these are the words you're supposed to be confessing in the midnight hour when things are changing in the spirit realm. The spirit realm starts shaking. All the demons in the world come together and they're coming against one person, one force. And for you to be an overcomer, you have to be confessing these things. If you don't confess them, you are in trouble. 
And so people have lines and things of things that they have to confess. And they call that piety. They call that depth. Have you noticed that you are actually starting your day and ending your evening by another man's revelation about God? He or she received the revelation, and they're not wrong, from the place they were with God. You are not in the same places. You're perhaps slower or even before or ahead of that individual. And the God who has invited you to a place of fellowship and personal communication, now you have watered down as some of our people in our religious circles who have prayer books that when you start in services to pray, you must confess and read those prayers as they are because they don't believe that you have enough spirit and enough wisdom to connect to God enough to articulate in the language that you so understand because they think that the rightful words fitting given to you to confess is the state of your heart and communion with God. That is a very lost interpretation of the way of God. God does not deal in communion with us because of how articulate we were or we are in the spirit. God would not have used Moses the stammerer or stutterer. Are you hearing me? He even ordains the lips of babes. They're not mature enough, but with the language that they have, God is big enough to anoint them to give them the language that they so need to worship God in perfect communion. Somebody said hallelujah. What happened to the person of the Holy Spirit in the church? What happened to the person of the Holy Spirit? The Bible says, and they spake in tongues as they were given utterance by Apostle Grace, by Bishop so-and-so, by Prophet so-and-so, by Teacher so-and-so, by Pastor so-and-so. No, he says, as they were led, as the Spirit gave them utterance, we must be able to liberate men to freely express themselves in the language and revelation that they have toward God without necessarily imposing ourselves from the places where we are at to make them assume that the grace and power of God is only available because they've confessed these particular words that came out of your spirit. That is so wrong. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God, not what some man wrote or some woman came up with to help you understand. Oh yes, what they write is good. What they write is good. But you see, again, are you a communicator of known or revealed truth? Or do you carry the authority of the things that you're speaking to God? That's what's important. Because we have people who are confessing those things every night, but demons are strangling them in the midnight. We have people who are confessing those things every day, but demons are killing them in the evening. They are confessing and fighting these things every minute, but their marriages are dying. Their children are falling out of school and running mad, but they are confessing these things every day. But those things don't carry life and power because they don't have a relationship with the words that they're speaking. And somebody gave them to them to confess them like a religious man would give them a prayer to confess so you people who say you're Pentecostal are you any different don't move by the revelation of an individual because you don't know where they are with God perhaps they've also borrowed it and they also borrowed it from somebody who borrowed it and they also borrowed it from somebody who borrowed it and the person who wrote it was not intending to write these things out of revelation and experience, he wrote them out of rhyme and rhythm because they sounded so beautiful when you're speaking them in your mouth. 
Yet he has perfected praise even out of the lips of babes. The Bible says that I shall use even the lips of the stutterer. That's what the Bible says. With stuttering lips I've revealed my praise and glory. Even people who don't know how to speak. Do you know there are men of God in the world who do not know how to speak? But when you get them a lame man, they can speak to that crippled boy. They have a language. They don't have a speech, but they have a language. They might not know how to even speak the English that you speak. Perhaps their grammar is out of order. Maybe they don't even say things right. But when they meet a blind eye, it understands them. Because they have the language in the spirit to command life. Are you hearing me? So since you started confessing those things, have you ever raised a dead body with those words? Ever raised a dead person with those words? Have you ever opened a blind eye with those words? Have you ever opened a deaf ear with those words? Have you ever fixed your marriage with those words? Has your child ever gotten off drugs with those words? Has a person ever been healed of cancer because you have a morning prayer that you were given, written down by another man's revelation for you to confess? No. They that worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth, not according to what one man wrote. We should stop writing prayers for people. We should introduce them to God so that they can have communion with God. In fact, there are three degrees or dimensions, you know of communion with God. And I tell people that there is a place of communion in God where sometimes the deepest place with him is silence. Sometimes the deepest place with him is silence. Sometimes. That separation and consecration, that solitude where the presence of God is so near that you don't even have enough language to have with him. And sometimes you just find yourself worshiping or you see tears rolling down your face. That right there, that thing is better than any vocabulary a man can ever express in the presence. And now Christians have words than experiences. So it's not wrong to copy another man's prayer. But you need your own experience. You need your own print in the spirit. You need your own vibration in the spirit realm. You need your own distinction in the spirit realm. You need your own voice print and language of Mark in the spirit realm. God has not called you to be a cheap copy of a great original. He has called you to be you in the presence. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout amen. So, because of doctrine, I cannot go there. I want to give you a typical example. My heart has melted. Because many people, believers, have not had a perfect understanding of who God is, what he has, what he can do, and who the devil is, what he has, and what he can do. They don't have a perfect understanding. My heart bleeds because of that. They don't have a perfect understanding. When Luke speaks about having had a perfect understanding of all things, you could have an understanding, but you are not perfected in that understanding. You're not perfected in understanding. Then you find yourself living in deception instead of sound doctrine. And then you start dealing with the devil from a very deceived perspective. I'll give you an example. One time, I was preaching about how to address the devil. Cast him, you know, if this happens, say, no, I refuse that in Jesus' name. And then somebody commented somewhere and they said, you know, this pastor takes the devil lightly. 
this pastor takes spiritual warfare lightly. This pastor takes, you know, the things of the spirit lightly. People are dying. Demons are killing people. Families are breaking. People are getting cancers. People are getting attacked. And what? This pastor is taking things lightly. I wanted to see this individual and ask them, have you ever made a lame man walk? I have. Ever raised the dead body? I have. Have you ever gotten a stage four cancer out of a person's body? I have. If you could, you'd speak louder. Your voice would be louder. You see, we have ways we think we have answers, but we actually don't have answers. I don't understand how some people think. You understand? With all due respect, with all due respect, first weigh somebody's credentials in the spirit before you judge their message. Before you judge their message. Wear their credentials with yours. Because certain people have been way beyond where you are. Let me tell you. There are people I know, if Jesus was on this earth right now, they would say he's not a man of God. Because look at how Jesus dealt with devils. Look at how Jesus dealt with the sick. Look at how Jesus dealt with people which were bound. Look at how Jesus dealt with people who were in captivity. Look at how Jesus did it. Look at how Paul did it. We have men in scripture who got to a point where they did not have, you know, statements of commanding mornings and speaking your evening prayers. They just needed a shadow. And all the sick and lame and crippled were put on the streets. If perhaps the shadow of Peter will touch them and they will be healed. What happened to that power? What happened to the power where a son of God would come to a demon spirit and immediately says, what do you want with me? He has not prayed. He has not spent 20 hours in prayer. But boy, he is loaded by God. Because he knows that the greater one is inside him than he that is in the world. And that is why many Christians live a very defeated life. God told me. Because they have a wrong understanding of the devil. And because they have a misguided understanding or interpretation of the devil. They tend to have a certain comparison with God and the devil. They think that there is a certain war. No war exists in the New Testament except the war of the mind. Somebody shout hallelujah. All thoughts to the obedience of Christ. That is why when Paul looks at that fight, he calls it the good fight of faith. He says, fight the good fight of faith. He's telling his son, lay hold of eternal life, not death. Hallelujah, somebody. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. Get a hold of it. Receive it in your spirit. Lambano it. Hold it with a certain aggression. Refuse to die. Hallelujah. Refuse to be sick. Hallelujah. Refuse to be crippled. Hallelujah. Refuse to fail. Refuse it. And believe it in your spirit that it is so. And then some people, you need like two months of confessing these things. If you don't confess them, you're gone. Oh. And you're like, but wait, what about Jesus? How come Jesus never wasted his time with devils? No. He was always teaching about the kingdom. He was always teaching about the kingdom. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. And the Lord told me, they have a misconception about the devil. Something in doctrine, in wrong teaching, somehow crept into the church and gave us a wrong opinion about devils. 
That even when God says he defeated them, they don't understand what it means to defeat them. In Isaiah, the 14th chapter, the 12th verse, God tries to define the devil to us. Let us define the devil, the devil from the Bible by the truth. He says, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. And I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. This is Lucifer speaking. And he says, yet thou shalt be brought down hallelujah thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit now the prophet is speaking hallelujah and the bible says in the 16th verse underline this he says they that shall see you shall see you he says narrowly they shall narrowly look upon you are you hearing me that one day when god opens people's eyes to see how the devil actually looks like they will need to zero their lens to lessen and narrow their optics to actually see the devil oh glory to god he says they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider this saying is this the man that made the earth to tremble that did shake the kingdoms oh they will discover that day that it was all a lie it was a trick it was like a little small dog with a tail in the back all sneaky and small and little and tiny and insignificant when they finally discover they will understand that they didn't need to wake up in the morning to say i release fire in the name of jesus i release fire they'll not go in the afternoon praying i release fire they'll not do midnight hours and three hours of waking up to cast out devils and rebuke the devils that are standing in the way of their children and their grandchildren no they would wake up at midnight to say jesus you're holy they would wake up at 3 a.m to worship god and say that he is the king of kings and lord of lords they would wake up every morning and say greater is he which is in me than he that is in the world have you read it in the new living translation that very scripture look at isaiah 14 verse 16 new living translation says everyone listen will stare at you and ask listen to how the nlt renders it can this be <laughs> people will look at the devil one day and say can this be listen to the language can this be the one that shook the earth and made kingdoms of the world tremble some of you one day you'll have the right revelation about the devil i say can this be the one that shook my marriage you look at the devil one day and say can this be the one that put cancer in my body that put a virus in my blood can this be the one that killed my uncle so early can this be the one that killed my cousin very early can this be the one that took my friend in a car can this be because you'll be so shocked and for a moment come to that sobriety that it could not be the one. But that is for those who will understand later. Some of us see him. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. The devil is a liar. Some of us know the truth. He says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. If the devil is that small that he will shock you, then you have to be able to address him like he is really small. Somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to God. As in Tanzania one day, I've shared this story before university we're going to preach the gospel and i was with two boys in the room we shared the same room and that night the spirit came and got this one guy and started strangling him and he's almost out of breath 
Then he gets to another person and he starts strangling him. As I'm sleeping in the night, in the night, a vision comes and I can see the spirit was in the shape of a serpent and his head was about this big. The head alone was about this big. And I could see it was strangling people. And then it stands up like this. Its head comes toward me. And out of that fear, I wake up and I look at it like this. And when I look at it like this, something in me clicked and said, you have the life of God in you. And I looked at that snake and I jeered and I went back to sleep. And I told myself, let that thing touch me. The next day, wake up. First guy says, some strangled me. I couldn't breathe last night. And the guy said, me too. The thing sat on my stomach. I felt like a car was on my chest. I could not breathe, literally. They were strangling us. And I looked at these guys and I said, I thank God. <laughs> Glory to God. What strangles others, you will strangle. What frustrates others, you shall frustrate. What kills others, you will kill in the mighty name of Jesus. What makes people lose appetite, you will make lose appetite. What makes people lose sleep, you will make to lose sleep. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above that which you dare to ask or think, according to the working power that walketh in all. Tell somebody I have God inside me. Shout and say I have the life of God inside me. Say devil you know your place. You will not break my family. You will not break my business. You will not break my ministry. You will not make me sick. I refuse it. I know who I am. Glory to God. Can this be the one? They will say. Can this be the one? One great man called the Apostle of Faith. In history, it's called the Apostle of Faith. Smith Wigglesworth. He's raised 23 dead bodies. One time, he found a woman crippled. And he prays for her and tells her, get up in the name of Jesus Christ and walk. And she refuses. He drugs her and says, devil, you're joking. She will walk. Somebody screamed at him and says, hey, you're damaging this woman's body. And he told the guy, mind your business, I'm minding mine. He grabbed her and pulled until she walked. One time he punched somebody and the counselor left. And so one time somebody asked him, Smith Wigglesworth, how be it that you work with such power when you're dealing with the devil? He said, I look at the devil like a little dog. That's what Smith sees. The man who raised 23 dead bodies, eh? he's telling you so. Somebody died before him and he gets this person, is it his wife or Sam? And then he gets the dead body cold as it was and he slams it on the wall boom walk you can't die now i think it was his wife something goes down then he gets this person again boom on the wall said i said you cannot die are you hearing me the person falls down and he says i have said if we're going to do this the whole night, we're going to do it. But I have said, death does not belong in this body. God, the same body, threw it on the wall. Bam! The person stood up. Are you hearing somebody? Those are men who know how to believe God. Where are you? God is looking for people who can believe him. He's looking for people who can believe him. I refuse to take two hours addressing the devil. 
in my time of prayer. In my time of prayer. Many times I love those midnight 10, midnight 1 a.m. 2, or sometimes I wake up at 3 and shoot up to 4 or 6, but I don't address the devil in my prayer. No. I am communing with God in the language he has given me, the relationship and the beauty of that majesty and the holiness that I behold in that revelation, that place that I have. Here in your courts, he says, where I'm close to your throne. Did you hear that? I found where I belong. That's there. That's, that's where I'm at. So when I get to the devil, we don't talk. We don't negotiate. We don't exchange. I just put him in his place. So I've looked at my life. 99% of it is fellowship and communion with God. 1% be healed. Somebody shout hallelujah. Get out of her body. Somebody shout hallelujah. A woman came eight years barren. She said, I've gone to every pastor, every prophet, every evangelist, and I told her, you're going to give birth. God bless you. Pastor, we've not prayed. I said, I have decreed it. It can only be so and not otherwise. She was pregnant in two months. What are you talking about? Get to a point you strike it once because it's the word of God. It's a double-edged sword. When it cuts, it cuts once. Cancer, sir. Poverty, sir. Sickness, get out. Are you hearing me? He gets on your spouse. You say it one more time and say, Dev, I'm going to say this and I'm not going to repeat it. Get off my wife. Get off my husband. Get off my child. And the devil says, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know who you are. That's called authority. That's why we instruct those who oppose themselves. Don't be taken. Some people say, don't go without a fight. Let me make it better. Jesus paid it all. Get to a level where when he looks for who to carry, he says, uh-uh, that one, don't touch. <laughs> Let's look for a certain other one here, anonymous. Hallelujah. But when they reach your name, the devil should be able to say, that one, don't go. You're in trouble. Devils have to get to a point where they sit in hell and start discussing your household. They say when you enter there, Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you come next to that individual, ah, yeah, 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 you're in trouble. That's called faith. Paul, we know. Apostle Grace, we know. Put your name, put your name, put your name. But who are you? Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Now, I want you to raise your hands and thank God for what he has done for you. Just raise, just raise your voice. You were great. 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 Everything written about you is great. And the man sang and said, Demons tremble at your presence. Did you hear that? What a mighty God we serve. 
Glory, glory, hallelujah. Everything written about you is great. Help me quiet. You are great. You are great. You are great. Oh, you. You will great. Everything written about you is great. Tell him demons tremble at your presence. What a mighty God we serve. Glory, glory, hallelujah. One more time telling you're great, you were great. 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 Oh, you were great. You were great. You were great. You were great. Everything we said about you. Father, we receive every word you have spoken to us tonight. We choose to believe your word in what you have said concerning who we are before you. That you are in us and that we are the light of the world, the city that is set on the hill. He says that greater is he which is in us than he which is in the world. You say that we are of God. We are of God and the whole world lies in the sway of the evil one but we are children of God hallelujah we are more than conquerors by Christ which strengthens us and he says on this rock I shall build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail he was on the cross and he said it is finished why did Jesus come he came that you might have life and have it more abundantly i decree that the days ahead of you are so beautiful the years ahead of you are full of victory and love the days ahead of you are full of peace and tranquility things are reconciled and synchronized for you the voice of god is so clear concerning where you are and you shall not walk in bondage or captivity it is possible to live a life of freedom and it is yours in jesus name give the lord a mind of praise come on clap your hands jesus celebrate god hallelujah if you have never given your life to christ i want to give you an opportunity to receive jesus as your lord and savior you can only repeat these words after me say lord jesus I thank you because you shed your blood for my sins and was raised for my glory. Tonight, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. You are born again. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 41 466 
1-800-242-4291 or email us at funerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.funero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest. Thank you.